Good evening, everyone. Okay, go ahead and turn to Jonah once again. Jonah, we're in chapter 4. This is the second to last lesson. So we only got this one and one more. And then that finishes our study in the book of Jonah. And actually, um, I already had sent the stuff to Andy this afternoon. Get the next, well, the next three series order, which should take us through the end of the year, actually. So there's uh, some pretty neat ones, I think. So they'll be uh, excited to continue on with those as well. But uh, two more weeks here with Jonah. Um, Jonah chapter 4. And uh, actually, verse 3 is kind of about the only text verse, so to speak, on that tonight. But Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. It says, of course, we'll just start in verse 1. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. And in verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I do thank you for um, the, the privilege and opportunity to be able to um, bring this lesson to our church tonight. And um, as you just you can just take me out of the way and that what you would want said be said tonight. And um, just uh, to be the channel, be a channel only, as we sung about uh, moments ago. And just uh, work in this lesson that you'd use it to work in my life and then work in the lives of the hearers here as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So lesson number 12 is a pathetic position. And uh, you can imagine probably where that came from. Now, disobedience, selfishness, anger, and bitterness can be kept inside you know, for a while, for some time. But eventually, as Proverbs 23, 7 it says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, God admonishes us to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's Proverbs 4.23. So in this lesson, the real Jonah is about to stand up, about to see the real Jonah on the inside come out. So Jonah is perhaps for the first time truly being honest with God. What's down in his heart? is coming to the surface here, and it's not a very pleasant revelation, as you can, as we know and as you can see. But we really have to learn to be honest about our true condition before God. Because the longer we live in no phoniness and hypocrisy, the more miserable you, we get in the end. So some objectives this, this evening to think about is just help us understand that we're not merely human, human beings, but human becomings. And everything we do today has an impact on what we will become in the future. And number two, this, to strengthen our convictions about the origin and the sanctity of life. Kind of not necessarily think about that in relation to this, but uh, we'll talk about that. Um, third, to challenge us to, to really just live for what's eternal again and not for temporal. And then lastly, just to en enable us to see how valuable our life, your life, can be if it's yielded completely 
to God's perfect will. So a pathetic position, of course, we already read verse 3 there of chapter 4, but again, this is a prayer, basically, that Jonah's making here. It's um, what the author is talking about here. It says, one word comes to my mind, and it's all in caps, and it's the second letter in the title there. You know, suicide is a terrible sin against, really think about it, against oneself, because it is. And it's surely bad enough, but when a man asks God to kill him, it's pretty low. If God didn't want us to live, he wouldn't have created us in the first place. If our lives are no longer useful here on earth, he can take us to heaven. To presume that we know better than God about our lives is a pathetic position. So point number one here, both, there's actually only two, as you can see. Both of them start with a P. So we have a pitiful prayer. Yep. A pitiful prayer. If we're not careful, our prayers, prayer and prayers, can become very selfish. We can spend our whole time with the Lord griping about how tough life has become and handing him a list of things that he could change. <laughs> or needs to change to uh, as soon as possible for us, you know. But we really often fail to take time to thank him for his blessings, adore his name. That's kind of an interesting thought. Adore his name. Um, just spend quality time meditating about him or with him. When our prayers become self-centered, we become like the Pharisees who, and then Luke 18, 11 is the first verse on your sheet. Pharisees stood, the Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself. Isn't that interesting? In, in the, uh, my notes here, the himself is actually bolded, which is interesting. I never really noticed that before. Stood thus and prayed with himself. You know, it probably was a one-person prayer. You think about that. Him and him alone. It wasn't him and God. Those prayers never reach God. They only give a false sense of satisfaction. So point, sub-point A here, um, all three of these start with a C, is a something paradigm. Not complete. Has to do with the uh, younger varieties of us in the room. What was that? Childish. A childish paradigm. Now, we've seen Jonah's selfishness all the way through this book, but his childish perspective really stands out here in this chapter. Now, children have a very limited and very introverted paradigm. They don't see the danger of playing with matches or running in the street, and often when they don't get their way, they throw temper tantrums. <laughs> no. And Jonah is acting very much like a little child here. He hasn't gotten his way, what he wanted, what he thought should happen. So now he doesn't want any way. Think about that, because he's praying, God, just kill me. Just get rid of me. Um, for it is better for me to die than to live. So when life ends, will it really matter where we live, how much money we made, or how much fun we had or didn't have? Someone has said that, this is interesting, think about this. Someone has said that life is our opportunity 
to prepare to meet God. Kind of interesting thought. Life is our opportunity to prepare to meet God. That's really all life's about. When life ends, all that will matter is that we're able to, as Colossians 4.12 says, So we have a childish paradigm, and then sub-point B, we have a something proposition. This is also something that can do with kids. They can often be very much this. Not complaining, not contentious. One, two, three, four. It's four letters, and then less is the last part of it. Careless. A careless proposition. This is a kind of a convicting statement. When we are upset or discouraged, we can say some really stupid things that we regret later. I know. Thankfully, sometimes we think them and don't actually do them, but sometimes we do say them still. Things that we regret later when we're upset or discouraged. Now, obviously, to be sure here, Jonah doesn't completely understand why God's been merciful to Nineveh. Maybe we don't either. But is a lack of understanding reason to hate your life? 1 John 5, 3. That's the next verse on there. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. God doesn't intend that any part of his will for our lives be a burden to us. John 10, 10. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. And God promises this, actually, in Psalm 36, verse 8. They shall shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Kind of interesting, the river of thy pleasures, not just the little handfuls here and there. What does it say? In thy presence are pleasures forevermore. I think that's how the verse goes. Now, even when life takes its negative turns, no, God promises, no, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 9 through 10. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. So that grace was so great in Paul's life that he could say that. So uh, sub-point C here, we had a childish paradigm, a careless proposition, and now a something presumption. You could think of it as a synonym with honest. Sort of the C. Kind of a synonym with honest. Oh, you're on something, camera. Candid. A candid presumption. Not a word we use a lot, but has the idea of just honest on that. Which I don't know where honest camera came from when you think about that, but a candid presumption. I'm sure there's a reason for that statement, but a candid presumption. Because the presumption part is then thinking of the idea of that who are we 
to presume that our lives are no longer useful or needed. This is an interesting verse in First uh, Samuel 2.6. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Uh, interesting verse. The Lord killeth and maketh alive, and he bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Paul pointed to the people pointed the people to the living God in his sermon on Mars Hill in Acts 17 when he said this. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. For in him we live and move and have our being. Regardless of our circumstances, we should endeavor to make every day that God gives us count for him. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And Ephesians 5, 16. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So on down to point two. This is the second and last point. We had a pitiful prayer. And now we have a perverted position. This is kind of my, this one kind of might be a little harder to get. The uh, starts with a P. We have a pitiful prayer, and then a perverted has to do with the idea of thinking. Perception, you guys are getting closer. That's the idea of doing with thinking. Kind of a synonym of thinking. Synonym of thinking that starts with a P. Yep. A perverted pondering. <laughs> meditation, or at least biblical meditation, seems to be kind of a lost art in our society. You know, we seem to be too busy to ponder the blessings of God and His will for our lives. But, of course, on the flip side, meditation can also be very dangerous if it's not disciplined toward that which is proper, which is often the, fling, the thought of meditation when it's the way it's used. In our society, the more the common vernacular there. You know, the prophet Jeremiah sternly reminds us about that in Jeremiah 17.9. Heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, Jonah's heart was in no condition to be meditating here. <laughs> you know, since his initial disobedience back all in chapter one, the momentum in his life has all been negative, hasn't it? It's no great wonder then that his conclusion about his life was also negative. Here in our in our verses here in Jonah four. Some familiar verses here in Philippians 4, 6 to 9 that some good instruction that the Apostle Paul gives with respect to disciplined meditation. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
those things which he had both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's a pretty good list of things of what to think about and what to meditate on. It's um, never really thought about it in that way of medi meditating, meditation in that way, but really is some good instruction on that, what we should be filling our minds with and letting that occupy our minds. Now, Jonah has become so negative now about his life that his only thoughts are about death for him. Now, what a tragedy when man loses his love for life as God intends it to be. So point A, there's actually four points, subpoints under this one, and they all start with an S. The something of life is unknown. Sanctity as the idea of time. Close. John, you were talking about this of uh, your uh, word is in Florida still. There you go. The schedule. The schedule of life is unknown. Now, most of us would love to live a long and full life, you know, but life itself teaches us that there's no guarantees on that. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And James 4, 14. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. This is kind of an interesting thought. And it's kind of, don't necessarily think of it, or maybe we don't like to think of it this way, you know, but a person doesn't die because they get old or sick or suffer some unfortunate accident. Hebrews 9.27, which is the next verse on your sheet there. It is appointed unto man once to die. Notice it's appointed. Ecclesiastes 3.2. A time to be born and a time to die. Now each of us has a birthday. You know, we, have, we know when we're born. At least, well, we're told when we're born. <laughs> And we have no birth certificates to prove it, but really each of us have a death day too. And we don't know when that is, but we know one day there obviously there will be a death certificate to prove it. Everybody has a birth certificate, and you got a death certificate of some shape, way, shape, or form on that. So the schedule of life is unknown. And then subpoint B, the something of life is unmistakable. Close. It's not secular, it's the sacredness of life is unmistakable. Um, John 1, 3 to 4. Um, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the, and the life was the light of men. Things were made by him, from God, sacred. In Psalm 139, of course, there's a very detailed description there. The psalmist you know, as he informs us that life begins at conception. And God is there from the very first moment of existence. 
Psalm 139, and then there, verses 13 to 17. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. In thy book all my numbers were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! God puts a very huge value on life and depends on us to protect its sanctity. You can see in, uh, in Genesis 9, 6, this is where, I think this is right after the, right after the ark, I think, um, where he kind of, this is the first kind of mention of this that you see here, Genesis 9, 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And that was, yeah, right after Noah and his family got off the ark, God's kind of putting that right there. Now, the world today puts a very low value on life. The poor, the homeless, the unborn, the elderly, the misfortunate. It's just a matter, it's just statistics, you know, on that. Death, it seems, is just another brutal fact of life. But, you know, one day, God is going to show how valuable life is to him when in Revelation 21, 4, he does this. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. No more death. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that the opposite of death? is life, right? God victoriously also announces this in 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Interesting. Last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So on a sub-point C, we had the schedule of life is unknown, the sacredness of life is unmistakable, and then the something of life is unconditional. If you can kind of think about the first two points, it might start to get to the point of following the pattern. schedule of life we don't know when what our schedule is but we know the sacredness of life is unmistakable so from that the something of life is unconditional this is more on the line of expectation our expectation God's expectation for us out of it Close. Kind of another word similar to that. Think of the first Corinthians four two, second Corinthians four two. Yep. The stewardship of life is unconditional. Now God created us for one reason, and that is to glorify him. Ephesians one twelve. That we should be to the praise of his glory. The praise that's kind of an interesting phrase. Be to the praise of of his glory. Revelation 4:11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now the life of the 
life of the Christian, our lives, doesn't belong to us anymore. It belongs to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And Paul admonishes God's people this in 2 Corinthians 5.15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Another kind of maybe key phrase here to, to file away and think about. Our lot in life has nothing to do with how we use our lives. You know, our lot in life has nothing to do with how we use our lives. Rich or poor, healthy or well, married, unmarried, welcome, forsaken, appreciated, appreciated or despised, we must all steward our lives wisely. Regardless of whatever it is, steward our lives wisely. Philippians 1, 20 to 21. <clears throat> According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that will all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For we to live as Christ and to die as gain. None of us have an excuse to end life or live it for anything or for anyone other than the one who gave it to us. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So on to our last sub-point, sub-point D here. We have the schedule of life is unknown, the sacredness of life is unmistakable, the stewardship of life is unconditional, and now the something of life is unbelievable. It might have already been said at some point. Not that <coughs> A bit of a longer word. Satisfaction. It's um, let's see what I threw in the way. It's a longer word. It ends in ants. A N C E. I see Andy trying to see what it says. <laughs> what was it? Significance. Yep. The significance of life is unbelievable. This is an interesting thought, but you, know, you wonder if God had any more cities that needed a sermon or he wanted Jonah to give a sermon to anybody else or any other place. Perhaps God wanted this revival in Nineveh to spread across an entire continent. They get a great awakening like in our country, but we never know. We'll never know, at least until we get to heaven, because the, this pouting prophet couldn't see past himself. Life does take negative terms, turns, and it can seem harsh at times, but it's never insignificant, which is kind of interesting to think about. It's never insignificant. Fanny Crosby once said, I don't believe I would have ever written all those hymns had I been able to see. It's kind of an interesting thought. And I think it was even asked, no, asked of her and, something in her response though like I don't even think I would choose to be able to see if I could right now 
then that's also where one, the one song, my savior first of all, that comes from, that savior be the first person that I see. The significance of life is unbelievable. Another interesting statement here. Now, God has a reason for everything that has come your way in life. And if you'll let him, he'll show you that. What that is. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them who <clears throat> love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And the whole point of this subpoint of the significance. So think about this. Now, God used an insignificant rod in Exodus 4.2, an insignificant jawbone in Judges 15.15, five insignificant smooth stones in 1 Samuel 17.40, an insignificant amount of meal and oil in 1 Kings 17.12, an insignificant cloud the size of a man's hand in 1 Kings 18.44, the insignificant mustard seed in Matthew 13:32, five insignificant loaves and two small fishes in John 6, 9. But think about, interesting, think about this though, but all that was necessary for God to do the great things that he did in each of those situations. The insignificant was necessary because it was significant. Kind of interesting way to think about that. Perhaps that's why God asked this in Zechariah 4.10. For who hath despised the day of small things? Despised the day of small things. It's really easy to do. <laughs> we do that a lot. I do that a lot. 1 Corinthians 1.27-28. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. In the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring not, to bring to not things that are. And it kind of ends here with the um, <clears throat> a couple of the stanzas from the song. Um, I can't remember the title. I know how it goes, but I can't remember the title off my head. You know, Give then the best you have, not for reward, not for the praise of men, but for the Lord. Every work for Jesus will be blessed, for he asks from every one his best. Our talents may be few, these may be small, but unto him is due our best, our all. So again, another interesting lesson this evening. Only two points breaks breaks habit and pattern with that one, but the last one has four subpoints. So makes up for it somewhere there. Does any, anything stand out to anybody tonight? Another interesting lesson. But We've been talking about the day of rest, the rest of the Lord. This kind of, to me, is kind of like, that's what it is. This is the definition of what that is. And just knowing that God has in, been in control, he's worthy, how we live our life one day at a time and just falling into that, those thoughts is, is rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it was interesting on the, just the thought of death, of 
something. It's not an event that happens to you that takes you. It's an interesting way of thinking about it. It's like a, you know, car car crash can kill you, but it might not. You know, you might live to a hundred and one, but there's people that live to one hundred and two, and there's people that live to one hundred and two in one day. So it's not an age that will kill you. kind of interesting to like the secular mind as to like well God's just this how does he have you know, the authority you know whatever to do this you know if capital punishment kind of like if a murder's wrong then what about capital punishment you know and this thing I remember I had a when I was in uh, in college I remember a professor that was uh, saying something like how he didn't understand how people that are against abortion or for can be for capital punishment Again, like to the unsaved mind, doesn't necessarily make sense. But again, when you put it in the paradigm of God and the authority, and it's kind of we could talk about that for a long time. But this is kind of an interesting. It's it's a different way of thinking, very different than the world thinks on that. definitely a very different way of thinking than our natural human human minds. Anything else to anybody? And again, it kind of all starts with like the launching pad for the lesson was just Jonah and his attitude just had got so negative in his mind that it's like it didn't have the outcome that he wanted. And he's like, just kill me, God. Yeah, the thought about, about life itself, you know, you're talking about like the secular way. It's really, it's, a self, it's, it's self-motivated. It's all selfish. And that's what Jonah, you know, was through his selfishness of what he thought about life, who should live, who should die, um, was, his, was his issue. Yeah, of course, then the whole point of when we're upset and discouraged is when we can say some pretty stupid things. Think and or say or do some pretty stupid things. And everybody's like, man, why did I, how did I even think that, you know? Um, and then definitely, as has been mentioned, yeah, for me, just thinking about that, yeah, no, a person doesn't die because they get old or they get sick or they have an accident. It was the appointment. Last call. It's too short, but it gives you a piece, that gives you a piece of knowing 
like with my mom and had some different things with England or some home and things like that. Um, Lingo and Chimpong. It is God's appointed time when we can have that peace. And I wonder why God's up and stay, but God has purpose for him until he does take him. It's not that timing where we all should live 75 years or whatever that is. It's what God's purpose is, and God has a purpose. Even in this, you know, even in a mom's life the last year and a half, God had a purpose for her. And it was his timing. It's so interesting, like how as humans, like we naturally want to take credit too for like, oh, you know, that person lived to be that old. They must have, you know, ate a certain way or exercised every day. Um, like often just want to steal the credit or like, uh, in a situation where God chooses, like maybe that person in the world that should have died, but then they didn't. And it's like, in a worldly perspective, it's like, you know, we give you all the reasons of why man saved that person or why. But it's like, don't ever want to give the credit to God. Like, just find a way to. still able to use him even though at the end he still had a sticking around attitude. Somehow in the middle of all that, God was still able to use him to win that city. Um, and I think in light of that, it gives us human beings <laughs> hope that even though that we mess up, God can still use us. Nothing else to be a lesson of what not to do to somebody else. <laughs> It is, it is an interesting time of what Patty was mentioning with her mom and you think uh, you know, that God should just take her, you know, just all the things that are, are going on. But God desired, you know, I, I've thought about that. I don't know if I've even said this to Patty, but was that for us? It wasn't for her at all. It was, you know, God desires for us to have fruit and to have reward, and he puts us in positions to endure and to do things, and uh, it's just all for our sake in that. In that. Lots of good thoughts tonight. Anything else before we close? About Jonah, he was at a point of, I forget exactly how you said it, self-pity, whatever, and he, he Praise this prayer. He's not the only one in the Bible that prayed a prayer very similar to that. I mean, we think negatively about Jonah because we mean, but I mean, Moses prayed that, Elijah prayed that. Um, it just, in a way, you think of it though, it's it's we're all susceptible to fall into that pit. And then people think about Charles Spurgeon. Called the Prince of Preachers, but he battled all of his ministry with severe depression and so on. And he died at 58 years old. But anyway, again, just the, the susceptibility, I mean, of, of that kind of an attitude. Of how easy to get there, how quickly. And then looking back, it's like, man, why? 
the logic. Yeah, Mount Carmel one day, mm -hmm. the next day he's running for his life and praying for God to take his life. Yeah. And he was that way for, was it at least a month and a half or something like that? Or 40 days or whatever it was that it took him to get to Sinai, I think. But, yep, lots of good thoughts. We'll close tonight. Lord, I do thank you for the lesson and then just how, just how it seems to have spoken to people tonight and just... Uh, Again, it's your word, and you use it to touch the same exact words and message that you can use it to touch different people in different ways. And again, that's just how just amazing your word is in that. And to again, just thinking of the idea of just stewarding our lives and um, of how of living them for you again course because we don't know what our schedule of life and we know it's sacred you tell us and then because of that we have a stewardship of it and it's significant you know our lives aren't insignificant they are significant to be used for you and help us to keep that in mind but it's again just so easy to lose and forget that when we just get out in the world and our day-to-day -day lives and going to work and just doing the day-to-day -day routines and how easy it is just to forget things and help us to how to how we can improve and get better at that lord how i can improve and get better at that and i ask that you be with us and give us safety to go to our homes this evening and then bring us back together again on wednesday in jesus name amen